You're tuned into the All My Friends podcast, the show that chats about music, nightlife issues and club culture. We're based in Manchester, but like to chat about things happening everywhere, not just in the rainy city. I'm the host, Liam Oliver, and my guest today is the other half of Son of Bangers, head honcho at Manchester Club Night Sticky Heat, and he's also a proud parent. If that sounds like it's a lot to juggle, then that's probably because it is. And that is exactly the thing we're going to be covering today on the podcast. Being a parent is the time you're supposed to grow up, in air quotes, I suppose, uh, right? You know, no more time for running club nights. You know, you've got proper adult shit to do. That's probably the opinion of a lot of the UK public, but we're going to be unpicking that mentality today. And we'll be chatting about juggling the demands of organising DJ riders and hotels with nappies, the skill run and the bedtime routine. I'm really excited to be speaking with our guest today. He's an AMF Mix alumni and great DJ. If you haven't guessed who he is yet, I'm pleased to introduce Marco Giannini. Hello, Marco. How are you? Not too bad. How about yourself? You okay? Yeah, really good. Um, about to enjoy a really nice Saturday with friends. Um, really happy and excited to be doing the show as well. I always like recording on Saturday. It's something to look forward to at the end of the week. And it's just nice being able to sit down with, you know, other DJs and promoters and, and chat about fun things. So, yeah, I am, yeah, having a great time. <laughs> um and it's great to have you on the show today. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about promoting and parenting, uh, balancing the two, and I suppose, you know, keeping the, the DJ dream alive through parenthood, as it were. But before we start and dive into all that, can you start and tell us a bit about uh, your musical journey and your background? You know, when did you start DJing and what's your, what did you, what's your DJ journey look like from, you know, when you first picked up a record or touched a CDJ to now? Yeah, I guess I guess like a lot of people, I got into it when I was at university and used a student loan to buy my first set of twelve tens. Um, that was back in two thousand, I think it was. Um, it was when I was at university in Leeds. Um, I was quite lucky to get a residency at a kind of a legendary club called Speed Queen, where I was there for about three or four years. Mm-hmm. Moved back to Manchester and started a breaks night called Show No Shame. Um, that ran for about two years. We had people like James Abila and Adam Freeland and Evil Nine playing at that. Um, that night caught the attention of the guys at uh, Sankey's and they approached me to do a monthly at tribal sessions with Andro. So we would do the tribal all-nighters. So he would take care of the main room and I'd be in a soap bar once a month programming the night there. Um, after my first year at Sankey's, the team, Sasha, Sam, Kirsty, came up with the idea of the warehouse project and they took me with them. So I was one of the original DJs at the Warehouse Project when I was at Boddington's and I was there for um, three years. So I did the full year at Bodies and two years at Store Street. I was on the, I think I think I was the first one of the, I think one of the first or the first DJ to play at uh, the Warehouse Projects because it was year one, day one, John Digby party. Um, then after I left um, the Warehouse Project, um, down. I was obviously engaged, I settled down and just decided to kind of just take a little break from it. I was just kind of maybe getting a little, maybe jaded with the scene a little bit. I just decided I just want to kind of take a step back and focus on other things, like say getting married and, you know, looking to 
you know, start having a family and things. And it was a never say never, but at the time I just felt it, it was a good time to kind of just step back and, you know, m- move away from the scene a bit. Um, so I took a break for about four years. And then one night when I was out with friends, we went to a night called Girls on Film at Death Institute. Mm-hmm. And I just had such a good night there. I was like, oh, I need to get back into it. The kind of bug was bug was there. By that time, my daughter Karina was about one or two. So it was kind of the first year was kind of out of the way. And I was, I was kind of looking at, um, you know, getting my social life and things back in order again. And mm-hmm. Hattie runs... Girls and film. I dropped her an email and just like on the off chance, would you consider you know getting me on? And she was brilliant and brought me on board. And I was a resident there for a couple of years, and that's what started everything again. And um, I, I co-ran a night with a few of the guys called Lost in Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joshua Brooks. We did that for a couple of years and had people like Lindstrom and Egyptian Lover uh, playing for us. And it was around about the time it was, it was the time that we did the Lindstrom party at Joshua Brooks. So I was like kind of feel like I want to be doing this myself and not you know kind of being part of someone else's night so to speak um so the kind of idea was formulating but I was just a bit with with having a, a daughter and being married I was a bit like I know that these are not you know putting a night on isn't something you do with the idea mm-hmm. that you're going to make loads of money from it so there was the weighing up whether it's something that I could still do mm-hmm. you know when I was like 41 42 or you know whether that moment had passed and I was chatting to my wife and she kind of those are like a penny drop moment for me really which was like well you know you're right you know we don't want to be wasting money that we you know we're earning you know when we've got a family to provide for mm-hmm. but she says you do loads of DJing work and loads of bar work. why don't you just put all that aside and use it to launch your own thing so mm-hmm. that's kind of when everything clicks into place and then Sticky Heat came about and uh mm-hmm. originally it was myself and one of my best mates, Chris Massey. Uh, we mm-hmm. did a party at Gorilla uh, with Lindstrom. We brought him back again to do a live set. Uh, and then obviously the world flipped and um, everything went on pause. Mm-hmm. But myself and Chris still kind of were very mindful to try and keep momentum there, you know, so we weren't starting up from scratch. So we did a live stream with uh, United We Stream and we did an mm-hmm. independent one at the Carlson Club. Mm-hmm. So we were still kind of bubbling along during the pandemic, even though we were a new night. So, you know, we, we didn't have that kind of big following or anything at the time. And then we brought um, Kirby, Muddy Feet, on board as well. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, we brought Ellie. And, and so there's four of us now, um, mm-hmm. you know, as part of the night. And that takes us back up to up to date, really. We, we did mm-hmm. two parties off the back of um, coming out of lockdown. Um, both of them sold out straight away. Mm-hmm. Got a party coming up in November with Justin Robertson, and that's just about sold out today. And now we're we're on with plans for 2022. We've got second birthday in January, and we've got a lineup we're just getting over the line for March, and we're already looking at May as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Quite interesting what you said there. Uh, it's something that I've noticed a lot of um, DJs mention. There's a period where you become a bit jaded with the scene, you step back, and then there's always something that will pull 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 you back in. The sort of the story you've said there, I've seen that. Uh, we've had Chris on the on the podcast before. He's mentioned it. Um, the other half of Son of Bangers guy has mentioned the same thing as well. It seems that everyone sort of goes through that period or it happens maybe a few times in a DJ's career where you sort of step back and then you're like, nah, actually, I still really want to do this. Um, that's just really amazing. Everybody I speak to has like a similar story, which is always nice to hear. Um, so yeah, as you've said, you've been 
been back out and about on the town since end of lockdown. Um, you're at Carlton Club um, for a sticky heat event last. Was it? It was last week, wasn't it? With a uh, yeah, Langley and Elliot Lyon, and you've also played a few festivals, um, which must have been amazing. Um, what has it been like? I, I don't want to go in heavy on the COVID chat or the pandemic chat, but what's it like just seeing crowds back out again and dancing after the 18 months we've had? Um, well, I mean, with, with Sticky, we've been really kind of on the ball with COVID measures. You know, we're, we're, we're not really scared or put off by making sure that, you know, we put measures in place. We're, um, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a night with a community-based ethos, really. So our number one priority, it's always been, you know, promoted that we're a safe space for anyone that comes mm-hmm. to the night. But now with COVID as well, that's a factor we take into account as well. So the first part we did in July, when the announcement was made in back in February of the so-called Freedom Day, when we were going to come out of it, and it was touted as being in June, I'd said to Chris, Ellie and Kirby, let's not do anything that weekend because mm-hmm. my gut feeling is that's not happening. Let's put something in the diary for like mid to end of July and just see how things are. And, you know, it could be that, um, you know, we're a few weeks in by that point. As it was, end of June got pushed back and then we timed it perfectly because the week that we came out, was the week of the first party. That first week was um, a bit of a strange one because we, we, we there was no guidance for, for nightlife when we were coming mm-hmm. out. It was just, you, you can open your doors again. But myself and pretty much every other promoter were like, well, that just doesn't feel right. We've got to put something in place. So there was lots of promoters talking to each other that week and what did we think we should do? And lots of, you know, should there be proof of vaccine on the door but then we were all talking about saying well that doesn't actually stop it coming into the you know to the club so um there was a week of everyone everyone like all promoters kind of acting as a bit of a community really and sharing ideas and we came with the idea of you know lateral flow test on the day of the party which seemed to be the most sensible thing to do because it was the the best way of ensuring that people that were coming on the day weren't bringing the the virus into the club I think you know we didn't hear of any reports at all from our first party back of anyone that caught COVID off the back of it it was quite um it was strange though because I think though that first week there was half the people were really like I really want to get back out I'm really looking forward to it but then you could also see people a bit like oh I'm just no I'm I'm not you know my head's not in the right place yet and as as it got closer to Saturday, we'd, we'd sold out well well in advance. I think the July party when we announced it back in March or April, I think it sold out in an hour, like really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but that week, I remember every every post that we were doing to kind of remind people that you know it was it was a cashless bar, the Carlton Club, and we needed people to take a lateral flow test. We saw more people then relisting tickets on mm-hmm. Skiddle, and I remember like talking to the guys. I was like, you know. I was getting worried at one point that would we just see, because it was a great unknown, would we just see that all everyone that had bought tickets just then relisting the tickets because they just felt mm-hmm. uncomfortable. As it was, it all just settled. Um, there was, um, you know, it, the party itself was brilliant. We did a boat party during the day and then a party in the car club that night. And it kind of all that stress and all that hard work from that first week seemed to all be worth it because everyone felt really safe. The COVID measures you put in with lateral flow tests everyone adhered to them there was no one pushing it back or criticizing it um we had ellie on the door who was just amazing and checking everyone's all going in and we had loads of messages when we came back you know following day from people saying that they really appreciate it felt kind of really safe for the part we did last weekend 
at the Carlton Club. We're like two, three months in now, so it's kind of second nature. So it mm-hmm. felt it felt fine. When I played at um, Camp Festival in end of July, I think it was, that was really good. They, they had lots of um, COVID measures there and they were like, mm-hmm. every day we had to do a lateral flow test when we're on site as well and before we got there. So no, it, it's it's been good. I think this winter is going to be a bit of an eye-opener now and I'm kind of hoping that people don't drop the guard down and, you know, there is a an air of anxiety with me in that I feel like there's just a mood of people thinking the pandemic is over, which it, it very much isn't and it is still mm-hmm. very much there. Um, and I think for, you know, clubs to be able to keep on running long-term and not finally we get closed down again, I think we've still got to try and, you know, keep these, you know, keep some sort of measures in place and keep everyone that comes to our nights mm-hmm. safe, really, because that's the most important thing. I don't think anyone starts a night with the, you know, idea that people will fall sick as a result of going. So I think we are, as a electronic community, be it promoters or people going to the club, we've all got a responsibility to kind of do the right thing for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've, I've noticed it as well. Uh, we went to the New Order Hot Chip um, event last week and we were struggling to get spare tickets sell our spare tickets my girlfriend bought four maybe like last year at the start of the year just because we wanted to go so I still think there's that sort of some people are very happy to go out it's back to normal for them but like we went to Homo Electric after and again there was more probably more resale tickets going up and I think it's just people finding out what they're comfortable with but I think it's still just sort of walking that tightrope at the moment and um it just you know it's you know I think a lot of people are very aware that we're not out of the pandemic yet, and what whatever works best to you is best. But yeah, lateral flows on the day I think is the best way to go about it. Uh, one quick fire round as well. I always like to throw them in. Um, top three sets you've played since July the nineteenth, um, and why? If you've done as many as three, or events you've run, or sets you've done, um, what, yeah. what would they be? All right, so uh, reverse order. Uh, well, not reverse, no order really. Mm-hmm. So it's easy. The last two sticky heat parties we did we did the like i said the first one coming out of lockdown which was a really special one we did the boat party during the day and then back at the college pool that night but that was just felt like a really everyone that was there kind of it felt like a big release and people you know all, all our crowd that were there people that hadn't seen each other properly in forever and like i said when kirby dropped the first record she did the first dance you know that was like a really special moment um last weekend the carlson club again it, it felt a bit more we were really um all last Saturday we were really worried because you know we are um we've listened to a lot of what people said during the pandemic and there's been so much talk about focusing more on local talent and residents mm-hmm. and less on big a listers so we're like right we're you know we're gonna do what people said so you know we, we've our last two parties were based around you know some of the best DJs in Manchester who aren't necessarily on every lineup mm-hmm. um and like I say it's it, both parties saw that super quick but then like you said before about nights getting rearranged and things moving we found on the Saturday that we were running last week we then had repercussion that announced something Home Electric was on yeah. there was stuff on uh, hidden and me I was like oh you know what's you know is it you know all the heavyweights were kind of coming back and I was, mm-hmm. I was I was during the week I was worried like would we have a knocking effect to that but numbers mm-hmm. were absolutely great if anything it was busier than July and it kind of um Again, just a really good atmosphere in there. And Camp Festival, really. Um, mm-hmm. It was great to be playing at a festival again, but because Camp Festival is aimed at families, I could say, you know, my wife and my daughter came with me as well. So, 
I was playing in the Bollywood tent on the Sunday and my daughter was in the DJ booth with me. So I think that'll be a moment that'll take with me for a long time. That's that's really lovely. And that that brings us on really well to the next part of the podcast where we are going to talk all about um promoting, producing and parenting. Um and that's well, that's that's the image there, isn't it? The uh, you in the DJ booth with with the kids. That's uh that's lovely. Um you know, when you first became a parent, what was the thought process in regards to DJ? And you sort of said you'd already taken some time away. Um, you know, did you initially think that, you know, maybe like the DJing part of your life was over? Um, did you have like these grand ambitions of like jet setting around the world as like a superstar DJ when, when you were younger? Or had you already achieved everything you wanted to with like the DJing part of your life? And did you sort of think, well, that's, that's done now. But then how did it start sort of creeping back in? I think you mentioned it when we sort of talk through like your DJ history, but maybe you could go into a bit more detail about how it started coming back. Yeah. I mean, when I took a break, it was, it was a never say never. I just decided at the time, I, mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to just take a step away. Um, I've never really had ambitions of being a, a lister and flying all over. I just kind of wanted to, my reason for teaching was always just a love of sharing the music I'm really into. So I've never really had any ambitions of just, trying to create my own thing and seeing where it goes really. Um, so that first couple of years when my daughter were, you know, when my daughter was really young, we were just kind of settling in and getting ahead around everything. Uh, then we, but then we left Manchester and moved to Widnes a little bit just to kind of, just to get out of the city sort of thing. We just wanted to go somewhere, move somewhere a little bit bigger and a little bit quieter sort of thing, like I say. And um, the house that we were in was, you know, bigger than what we were before. So there was, a, a room within our house where I could create a little studio. So mm-hmm. um, before I'd approached Hattie about going to Girls and Film, I'd already kind of started building a little kind of studio at home and started DJing again. So that kind of bug was coming back. I think in our house, my wife runs a dance school and I DJ and stuff, and we both very much feel quite strongly that you, you need to have hobbies as well. You can't just be a working during the day and then, you know, full-time parent as well you kind of it's not healthy to not have hobbies and interests as well so um you know I've always kind of supported my wife of the dance school and she's always supported me to start DJing again so yeah it kind of the thing was sticky it kind of snowballed from just starting to do like once or twice a month uh Mm -hmm. girls and film to then getting approached to do kind of more bar gigs as well so then I started doing a few more of them and then got approached to join Lost in Music and then I started going from there and then it was when I had the conversation with my wife about, you know, is there a way that I can look to maybe do my own thing whilst not, you know, potentially throwing loads of money away that we need as a family? And like I say, she said earlier that, you know, why don't you just use the money you're earning from doing all these bargains and everything and put it to one side? So mm-hmm. it kind of created a bit of a business model for me there. I was like, actually, I can see how this could work now, really. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, actually, we have a bit of a kind of rule at home where, I, you know, I'll, you'll never see me doing like loads of gigs a weekend, although I am doing two today, but it's a bit of a, a you know, rarity. You know, it's, um, I'll, you know, I'd normally do maybe three or four gigs a month and no more than one gig at a weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're pretty good in the house where me having a late night from DJing is, does not affect us at home at all. You know, if I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I don't shout. I've still got a big full of beans and running around mm-hmm. and doing stuff for my door. So, which is all good anyway, because you know we we do a lot of stuff together and mm-hmm. go running and swimming and doing all sorts of stuff as well. So it's never been a problem. So 
it, it's fine. Like I said, I think it, it works well. I think as, as a parent now, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a big drinker. I don't go out partying until like, you know, the, the early morning sort of thing. You know, I'm not in my 20s anymore. Um, so there probably is that I probably I probably don't calm down in that respect, but it's probably meant that I've got a clear head with juggling everything that I've got to do and having a clear head as to you know what I want to do sticky heat as well. Amazing, uh, yeah. That actually brings me on to the next question really well. Um, you know about running a night. You know, for me at the end, one of the biggest things I realised as I started getting older is like running a night at the end of the day. Although you don't like to say it, but it is essentially a business. And then when you sort of view it as a business, it helps, you know, you separate it from maybe like the lifestyle aspects of being a DJ, you know, like the late nights and parties, as you just mentioned. So do you have a new perspective on event management? You know, now that you're a bit older, now that you, you know, have a child as well, it's not, it's not necessarily like this sort of like lifestyle DJ thing. It's more, you know, this is sort of like my hobby and this, this, this passion project that I curate. Um, how, how was like um, having a child sort of changed that for you? Yeah, I guess when we when I did show no shame when I was like in my twenties, mm. that was a I even you know, that was a labour of love. Probably was really mm. naive, and we lost so much money, and we're you know just you know four kind of early twenties, mm-hmm. you know guys just kind of putting parties on and just with no real kind of long term plan how to do it. I think mm-hmm. now I've got Karina, my time is really precious. You know, mm-hmm. any time I'm spending away from my family's got to be worth it. Yeah. Um, so although um in, in the sense that um yeah, I guess you kind of got to say use use it as a as a business, so to speak. I'd say it's more mm-hmm. made, I'd probably don't describe it as a business, but it's more about making it sustainable. So it's how mm-hmm. do I make it so I'm not, you know, so I, I make enough money from it so that it then goes back into the night and it's reinvested. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's just about being planned out. I've got a really good team that I work with, so I've got Chris. Mm-hmm. massive I've got kirby muddy feet i've got ellie as well so we're all very kind of like-minded as well we all bounce off each other um and, and you're right it, it's it's i, I you know if, if i was ever to kind of finding that i was hemorrhaging money from doing sticky heat i'd probably kind of have to revise what i'm doing and you know look mm-hmm. at the priorities and stuff but as it is i've just got a, a, a clear plan a clear buzz but you know don't like using business model but i've got a clear yeah models to how it works and I, I do these you know gigs outside of sticky heat which um funds putting the parties on we've been very fortunate that every party we've done so far has sold out mm-hmm. so we haven't had a night yet where i've lost money such wood that that kind of long continues mm-hmm. um but yeah you, you, you kind of when you've when you've got a family and you've got a, a you know a, a daughter at home you just kind of you just don't have time really you don't have time for bad gigs so I mm-hmm. turn down more gigs as well. You know, if, if a mm-hmm. gig doesn't sound right or feel right, I'd rather not do it than spend time away from my family. Any gig that I do has to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you just kind of, you, your priorities are different. Your priority isn't just you anymore. It's, you know, it's balancing you having your um, interests, but in line with also making sure you're there for your family as well. Amazing. And how have you found like the time management aspect of promoting? So I've recently, obviously the All My Friends blog has been going for three years. Uh, I used to run a club night back in 2013, 14, lasted, again, we did we had no idea what we were doing. It was called I Feel Love. It was a disco night, some good nights, but it was like a sort of how not to run a club night club night sort of thing um but I, I found that like the process of running nights both really stressful but also at the same time there's a lot of time when you're not really doing anything you know you book your venue you book your acts and then a lot of it is just 
refreshing schedule and that's quite stressful in itself um but how have you found like managing a club night and like what tips do you have for like maximizing your time when you know you're sort of doing the event and then you have a normal job and then you you know a family time as well and um, what tips yeah. would you give other people in the same position as you well i think i mean we, we, we do our parties every two or three months so we're not we're not week after week so i think if, if i was doing a weekly thing i think the conversation would be quite different because you are just ch- you're churning out parties, so it does become a full time mm-hmm. job, so to speak. But ours are every two or three months. Um, you know, by day I work in PR and comms and events as well, so mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's what I do as a as a job as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm, I'm very well organised, very well planned out. Like I said, I'm already got our we're already planning well into like 2022 already. Mm-hmm. Um, so because we're quite planned out and we've got our venue already sorted and we've got our dates already sorted and we're already booking DJs now well into next year um it it hasn't been a massive drain on time really because we've got so much time between parties that you know and we work very well as a team as well so there's Mm. never been a period where it seemed to take up less obviously the weekend of a party in particular the day of it is a kind of you know quite full-on day but Mm-hmm. the rest of it really all seems slots in you know me and Chris bounce off each other and work really well together as well I mean Chris even before we did Sticky Heat with him I mean he's been in Manchester for so long and I, I think he's like one of the best promoters as well so I've kind of got one of the best working alongside me as well so we do bounce off each other a lot we share a lot there's no it, it doesn't feel that everything is on my shoulders Kirby and Ellie also help out as well and we're constantly talking to each other I'd say we've tips or advice it'd be for my own personal experience don't do it yourself mm-hmm. uh you know it's, it's a hard thing to kind of have a night that you want to do and then be the only person involved in it because you're the only person amplifying and getting that word out and all that work is on your shoulders i'd also say kind of make sure you know what you're doing it for as well i do say it's quite a lot that you know sticky isn't there to make up the numbers you know mm-hmm. we don't want to copy what other nights are doing and we certainly don't want to be though a, a night that's just booking the same djs that you see in manchester mm-hmm all the time you know our, our vision is very much we book those acts that have either never played in Manchester before or play very rarely so I think it's really important that anyone starting a night needs to have a clear vision as to what to do if you're looking at another night and you think you want to emulate what they do well probably don't you know there's a reason why they're doing really well but there's no real demand or call for someone to do a version of that I mean don't get me wrong I, I take um you know I've been influenced by other nights, you know, like see how other nights like Home Electric or High Hoops, you know, how 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 they operate and what they do. And I take inspiration from them, but I certainly don't look at any other night and want to copy what they're doing or emulate what they're doing. I'm very much kind of want to have my own vision and my own acts that I bring over. Brilliant. Cool. Um I find a partner then because I'm currently running the all my friends' nights on my own. <laughs> um, this has been a really good chat today. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, the Sticky Heat programming, as you've mentioned, has been done for 2021, uh, but you're already looking towards 2022. Uh, are you eyeing up any apps for next year you could tell us a bit about yet? Are you still in like the planning phases? I can't, I, I can't, I can't release anything as of yet. We could, obviously, yeah. we've got Justin Robertson coming up in November, mm-hmm. um, but we don't want to announce anything just yet. We've, we've, we've pretty much there for the second birthday um mm-hmm. and we're, we're having a few conversations for march and for may but nothing that mm-hmm. i'd really want to um i just say watch the space but the yeah. acts that we're lining up haven't played in manchester in quite a long time 
Mm-hmm. And I, I saw be- your I saw your social media post the other day as well about um, you know you're asking your community to suggest uh, DJs as well. That was a, have you had some good suggestions from there? I mean, you don't have to tell us names, but um... yeah, there, there, was, there was some strong ones that came from there. There was some as well that we've already been making inquiries, and so it was quite good really that mm-hmm. some of the names that people have suggested or some of the names that we'd already been talking about, uh, you know, amongst ourselves as well. But because we are we pride ourselves on that, that it is a community night. So it's all about the people mm-hmm. who come to the night. We kind of were like, well, really, we need to kind of get an idea of who people want to see as well. And you know, if, yeah. you know, it's it, it, it's not necessarily just the four of us are going to come up with like really strong, you know, there might be an act that someone suggests that we just wasn't on our radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was, there was some good ones there. There's some conversations that are happening with DJs and agents off, off the back of that thread. But I can't cool. say any more at the moment. Uh, yeah hey, hey build up the hype man <laughs> uh and very finally are you playing anywhere this side of new year that we could maybe get down to or check out anything that maybe not sticky heat related um just yeah. bar gigs that you're on that we could catch you at or yeah uh you can still catch me at the refuge and literally mm-hmm. once we finish this chat now i'm driving over to manchester to play at their fifth birthday today with mm-hmm. andrew trout unabombers lil minx and chris um i play every other week in liverpool at albert shank mm-hmm. And yeah, they're the main ones at the moment. There's a few little things bubbling under, but nothing confirmed as of yet. Cool. Obviously, if anyone Amazing. wants me to uh, come and play for them, just drop me a little message. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. And we'll actually, we'll add all the Sticky Heat social medias to the show notes that go along with the show. And I've done it again. I've completely forgot to ask people to like and subscribe to the show. You should do it at the beginning, Liam, not at the very end, but uh, like and subscribe if you've enjoyed the show. And Marco, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, no problem, it's a pleasure, take care. At the refuge. Catch you later. See you later.